93.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. About 20 minutes away, uh, Rob Doster, formerly of NBC Sports, but a good college basketball mind. Uh, he will join us as college basketball practice begins today, but so much ground to cover with our next guest. He's our friend David Kaplan, who joins us at this time each and every Wednesday. Courtesy of our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa, centurionstoneofiowa.com. Cap, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Capper. Good to speak with you. What's going on, boys? How we doing? Well, doing well, Cap. You've got to be uh, not enough hours of sports talk in your day with so much going on with both the Cubs and now the White Sox uh, in their offseason. You've got a Bears team that's doing very well. So let's start with the baseball in particular. Uh, let's go to the south side with the uh, with the White Sox. We asked last week, you know, what, is Renteria, is there a chance he's not back? You thought that there could be. Well, now we know it's official. He won't be. Uh, Pruszynski would like, he was on your show. He'd like to have his hat thrown in the ring, but boy, oh boy, Cap, uh, does it seem like it's AJ Hinch's uh, foregone conclusion? And once the World Series trophy is handed out and his suspension ends, that he will be named the skipper, or I'm, am I ahead of myself? Uh, I wouldn't say that you're ahead of yourself. I would say that I think there's some you know things that they have to navigate through because. There's a you know a significant number of fans that don't want him because they think he's a cheater, and I did a poll question and I think it was like 58 or 55 percent to 45 that don't want him was the minority, but still a really you know non-small number. So he look is he a really good manager? I think so. He won a World Series that he cheated for. I know he was fired with a lot of time left on his deal in Arizona. People I trust who know him said he's an awesome dude, that he has tremendous regret of his role in the Astros cheating scandal, but that he had nothing to do with it. He just didn't police his own team well enough. So I think he's their first choice, but Bob Nightingale's pretty damn piped in, and when he writes that Tony LaRusso is clearly the number one choice. Wow. That shocked a lot of people, me included. Yeah, right there with you. That would be, I don't want to say baffling, but it certainly would be a surprise. How old is this. he? 76? Is that what it is? 76? He just turned 76 October 4th. Jeez. Not a spring chicken. Well, Renteria was a good man. He, he was an easy guy to root for, but sounded like there was some friction between the well, the baseball nerd point part of every baseball organization, the guys that come out with the analytics and the those kind of numbers, and an old-school guy in Renteria. How big of a play is that going to be? And if that was a problem, I don't think that LaRusso would be the guy that you'd want That's to bring in, point. would it? Well, let's please, much as I like Ricky as a guy, let's not paint Ricky Renteria and Tony LaRusso with the same brush. Yeah, One guy's yeah. in the Hall of Fame <laughs> with yeah. multiple World Series. Yeah. So yeah. Tony LaRusso is an amazing, amazing manager. Let's be just, you know, clear here. That guy was an amazing manager. And he wants to get back in it. For my taste, too old. Mm-hmm. But 
certainly a great name. Mm. Uh, Don Cooper, I mean, pitching coach, same organization as long as he would cap. I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Cooper, but boy, oh boy, he uh, he stood the test of time on the south side. Yeah, he had since 1988. He was in the organization 18 years as the head, you know, head of White Sox pitching as the pitching coach on the big league yeah. club, and I thought they would make him like pitching coach emeritus or roving instructor mm-hmm. slash they just flat out fired the guy. I mean that that one I thought was a bit puzzling, but I think when he went to the media and said after Michael Kopech opted out that he was concerned, we all know he battles depression. That's not for him to say. Right. You do not reveal private details about someone and he did that and I heard that really, really upset the organization. Uh, Cubs wise cap. I know that there's the speculation is going to be through the roof here. Is who's going? Who should they trade? Who doesn't want to be here? Who can we bring in to get this team back to where they are? Uh, we, we, you and I have and, and Trent have talked about it. It seems like everybody, for the most part, is available. Maybe not Rizzo, maybe not Darvish or, or Hendricks at the top of the rotation. But is there going to be? I mean, it certainly sounds like there's going to be a, a, a significant amount of change cap, a couple of pieces here and there. What do you expect? Is this an entirely uh, a different team next year? I mean, obviously, that's over the top, but you get my point. Will there be a lot of change or just a couple of pieces here and there? Like I've thought over the last three years, and I've told you guys this, that I thought there would be change coming, and every winter all we got was Daniel Descalso, <laughs> Steven Souza Jr., and Jason Kipnis, the latter two on minor league deals. We didn't really get any off-season impactful change. The one move they made in-season that was awesome was Nick Castellanos, and then they didn't have the money to re-sign him much as he wanted to be here still. So I think there's going to be impactful change. I believe they're going to try and move a lot of money off the books and rebuild again, but I don't think they're trying to take it to the studs either. You, You know, when you have a rotation fronted, by Hendricks and Darvish, and I don't hear that they're willing to move either guy. Now, if you move those guys, you're getting a fortune back because both are locked up for three more years on very, very reasonable deals in baseball economics. So if you said, hold on a minute, we're the Yankees and we're going to take a shot at Kyle Hendricks, well, I'm going to ask you to take the last year of Chris Bryant's money or I'm going to ask you for some of the more elite prospects in your system because while Kyle Hendricks may not be a Hall of Famer, he's a damn good pitcher and you're not paying him a lot. Cappy, this is our first conversation since the Bears went to 4-1 and with the Thursday night win against Tampa. Let's start late in that game. What is your belief that Brady didn't know what down it was and it was putting the fourth finger up because he thought it was fourth down or was Tom Brady trying to cheat again? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't trying to cheat. He thought it was fourth down. That's a hundred percent. A hundred percent. He absolutely even made a joke this week about it. And he knows he forgot. He was trying to get chunks of yardage as opposed to down to down and took that shot down the field and then went, Oh God, what do you mean that? This is fourth down. No, sorry, Tom, it's not. It happens even to the goat. 
Indeed it does. So, Cap, there's obviously David Montgomery, uh, but now, uh, there, there's there's a hole at the running back position. One became available yesterday, uh, and Le'Veon Bell, who's, you know, I don't know what he's got left in the tank, but he would certainly seem like maybe the Cohen replacement. Will they go after a running back, and does Bell make sense uh, if he wants to come to the uh, to come to the Bears? I have to know more of what he was like in the room uh-huh. in New York because you got a really, really great culture in Lake Forest. And I know there are fans going, I don't really care about culture. I just want to win football games. I get all that. But, you know, I heard Bill Belichick talk about culture, and he said those that don't respect culture don't understand the value of it. And he said, if something gets to my desk, we got a big problem because I have a culture established where my veteran players handle the room. I never have to go in there. I don't have to discipline anybody. And if I do, it's a much more serious issue than being addressed internally. So is Le'Veon Bell going to get five carries one game and then immediately run to the media and start to complain? If that's the case, hard pass. Gone. Now, he said, hey, man, I just want to fit in on a team. I think I can help you win, and I'll be a complimentary back to David Montgomery and do all I can. I'm only 28 years of age. Thunder and lightning, the two of us, we can catch the ball in the back. I'm all in. Take a shot. But I I have to know, why could you not make it work in Pittsburgh where that is as stable a franchise Mm -hmm. as there is? Why did you sit out for a year? A year you walked away from the game. If you truly love it, you don't do that you find a way to make it work and then what the heck 17 games and you're out in new york and they're paying you all that money they couldn't wait to get rid of you Hundred four thousand dollars per carry oh. is what he was paid <laughs> not too bad good work if you could get it crazy cap uh to the wide receiver position we know alan robinson as we await what they're going to do with his contract but on the other side anthony miller safe to say he is trending towards bus category but the guy they got and moved up in the fourth round to get Darnell Mooney. Uh, This kid is incredibly fast. The question was about hands. He's looked very good in that avenue. How quickly do you anticipate Mooney is going to surpass Miller in terms of snaps over there at that second spot opposite Robinson? Um, I mean, he may have already surpassed him. I'm not at all convinced that Anthony Miller goes down in the bust category. I think you're going to see more out of him. They just want better attention to detail. When Matt Nagy said, if I design a route to go five steps, don't run it at three. Because all of a sudden, your quarterback is throwing to a spot. So for people that don't understand it, you take the snap, you know your guy's running a nine-step route. Well, as the quarterback, you're not watching him and going one, two, three. (laughs) Okay, nine steps before the snap. I know that ball's got to be put at the 42-yard line and I throw it right to the 42-yard line. But my guy decides to break his route off at the 40. Well, guess what? The ball sails over the top of him because I threw it two yards deeper. It gets picked off, and whose stat does that go on? His or mine? It goes on mine. And that's what Matt's talking about with attention to detail. Everybody knowing the blocking assignment. Everybody knowing the snap count. Everybody knowing everybody's routes so everything is run properly. But Anthony Miller's loaded with talent. He's not as fast as Darnell Mooney, but he's a really impactful football player if he will pay 
better attention to his P's and Q's. Uh, Cap, a couple more minutes with you. We'll let you go. It seemed like after the Colts game, the sky was falling with this Bears team, specifically with Brady coming to town four weeks later. And, oh, my, uh, it was fool's gold, the 3-0 and start. Where's, where's the fan base now, Cap? I mean, there's, they're sitting right up there at the top of the division behind unbeaten Green Bay. Extra team gets a, gets a playoff berth this year in the NFL, well, in both, in, in both conferences. Um, are they back on board? Nick Foles is their guy, and, and onward we go, or are they still kind of skeptical? Skeptical. Uh, they are, what's the right way to put this without offending anybody? They're the most up-and-down fan base next to the Cubs that I've seen. It's kind of a, a thing here in Chicago. Now, if they find a way to win a football game on Sunday on the road, you will have some go, oh, great, you beat the Panthers, they stink. The Panthers have actually won three in a row, and you're going into their building, albeit with no fans, and you found a way to win a football game. All I know is they wake up today, they're 4-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Yes, they beat a bad Detroit team, who, by the way, went to Arizona and won. Let's not forget that fact. They beat a lousy Giants team. Yep, they also are a team that should have beaten Dallas in Dallas for whatever reason. They fell apart at the end like they always do. Uh, they beat an Atlanta team on the road. They had to come from behind. They beat Tampa and Tom Brady. Well, they were missing this receiver. Stop. You can have an excuse for every game. They beat who was on their schedule four out of five. Let's see what they do now. So, for me, I'm a glass-half-full guy. Let's see how they do on Sunday. And last thing for you, Cap, uh, the Blackhawks seem as though they're waving the white flag despite the fact they've got all those veterans and Taves and Kane who clearly want to compete for Cups and uh, Duncan Keith. They, they ship Crawford out, one of the, you know, the, the, the staples between the pipes. Seabrook's washed up. He's finished anyways, but they still owe him a lot of money. But the veterans and Kane, Taves and Keith in particular cannot be happy seemingly with the direction that that franchise is going, Cap. They're getting younger. I understand that everybody you have to rebuild at some point. It seems like it's here for the Blackhawks. How are the vets handling it? Uh, the vets are not handling it well. In fact, Jonathan Taves, who tries to stay out of you know being in the middle of an argument about his team, he actually picked up the phone and talked to Mark Lazarus over the weekend, and he was none too pleased the direction that they're going, had no idea that they were basically setting themselves up to have a really bad team next year. And here's the other question. I know for a fact that the Blackhawks were negotiating with Matt Murray, the veteran mm, goaltender yeah. who's played in Pittsburgh. Yep. So, wait a minute. You're negotiating with Matt Murray, but you can't get a deal done, and now you've decided, yeah, we're going to let Crawford go. Nah, we couldn't get Matt Murray. We tried to get Leonard during the season. We couldn't get him done. We'll just play with what we have. And with what you have is not good enough. So, yeah, I think they're in big trouble. Cappy, one more thing for you. Uh, Today, the kickoff of the college basketball practice schedule, 42 days away from the opening. You do a lot of analyst work in college basketball. With this crazy season, I know a lot of times you guys are elbowing your way trying to get down to the Bahamas or something like that. Have you got any walking orders yet of what you're going to be doing in college hoops? I don't. I got my email from the Missouri Valley, so I know I'll be doing some of that. And then I'm assuming Atlantic 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting to get my schedule. I think as everything crystallizes, we'll know where we're at. I bet you it's, a lot of it's done remotely this year, yeah. Cap, for the broadcast teams. You were not going to more dry to normal. Yeah, right. Uh, schlepping through the valley in the wintertime. Uh, Cap, we'll talk to you in a week. Thank you, David. You got to be good. You too, David Kaplan.
Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. If you're looking for manufactured natural stone, you want to add that to the outside of your home or the inside of your home, the fireplaces, etc., uh, or your rec room, or whatever room, whatever plan you've got, Centurion Stone uh, is there to help. Variety of colors, patterns, and styles for your every need. In fact, over 200 of them. Centurion Stone of Iowa. You can check them out online. You can check them out in person. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Justin Luch, Joe Farron, and the whole team over at Centurion Stone of Iowa. Thank you for bringing us Cappy on a weekly basis. All right, so uh, so Cap was talking about the five games uh, that we've seen out of this Bears team so far. Mm-hmm. Have you taken a look at the next five? They're 4-1 after the first five. Let's just do the next five. All right, next five. Before they hit their bye week. They've got five games before they hit the bye. At Carolina. Loss. It's a tough game, I agree. Monday night football at Ram. Loss. Uh, home to New Orleans. Win. At Tennessee. Loss. Monday night football, home to the Vikings. Club them. Two and three. Two and three out of the next five. So that puts them at six and four going into the final stretch. And that final stretch, Green Bay, Detroit, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay again. You'll see Green Bay twice after the bye week. Finals, uh, you'll get through to week 11 without seeing Green Bay, and then you see them twice. I'd rather see them then than now. Maybe yeah. they'll be banged up. Matt, it could be. Could be. Uh, let's take. Uh, let's do this. It's time to help somebody out here. Let's put another thousand dollars, or try to put a thousand dollars in somebody's pocket. Text the keyword "check" to two hundred two hundred right now. It's your chance to win a thousand dollars. Check to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, ready or not, college basketball has begun practice today. We'll do a quick hit on hoops with Rob Doster. He joins us next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We supply the sports. The beer is up to you. 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. This is KX on your side. Hi, it's about 1130 here on a uh, Wednesday morning, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Take you up until noon. Well, Trent, we, as we said at the beginning of the program, with Big Ten football returning next week, if we were going to do a basketball segment here as teams begin practice today all around the country, today was going to be the day to do so. Our friend Rob Doster, currently a free agent, although he's got a newsletter out right now. It's called The Rebound. Uh, he's too good not to be working. Uh, he will find work, but he's back with us, and we're glad to have him uh, to pick his elite basketball mind. Hello, Rob Doster, Trent and Ken. How you been? I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? It's been a while. It has been, and we're going to do this more often, and uh, we're going to help you build up that subscriber base to the uh, to your newsletter uh, prior to somebody snapping you up, Rob Doster. Well, um, you know, let's start. Uh, let's start with the newsletter first of all. Tell us about that. Tell us what you know potential customers can find. I know Trent said there's a freebie out there, but there's also uh, one that uh, you they can help you out a little bit. How do we do that? Well, you go to I think it's Rob Doster substack.com and uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter there and, and the thing that I've found about newsletters that are 
uh, really convenient is that you never have to go anywhere to get all of the new stuff. Like it just shows up straight in your email box, uh, in your inbox every morning when there's something new. And I found that very, very easy and, uh, and, and it makes it so I don't have to go and search out the information or the content or the stories or the, anything else that I'm looking for it comes directly to me. Um, and that just makes it very easy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm lazy, especially in the morning. So, uh, it's nice to just have, kind of have those things pop up in your inbox, but yeah, it's, it's mostly right now doing a lot of NBA draft stuff. Um, but I took a deep dive on Iowa and Luca Garza and, um, the issues that I have with what Iowa does defensively, uh, which I think is probably the most interesting thing that you can find, um, at least for the people that are listening to this radio show. So you look at the decade of Fran McCaffrey's teams at Iowa. They're, of course, uh, offensive-based. That, that's where he gets started. That is what he's known for as an offensive coach. But two of their better years were two years that they were at least adequate, top 30 nationally at the Ken Palm numbers defensively. Even to get to that kind of number, with the roster that they have in place, Luka Gars is never going to be an elite defender. He has foot speed, even as he improves upon that, that's never going to be his forte. He's going to be caught in some pick and rolls. Bohannon has limitations defensively. On and on and on through this roster. So what can Iowa do, and what's a realistic goal for this squad to get to? Is it top 50 nationally? Is that even realistic with this group as you look at it? Well, I think that top 50 should be the goal. You know, In the Ken Palm era, there have only been three teams that were ranked outside of the top 50 in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency metric in their year that made it to the final four. And one of them was Auburn in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the Butler team in 2011 that made it to the title game by beating VCU. Um, and there was, I'm blanking on, uh, oh, there was VCU in 2011. Um, so it, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to get to the final four. It's like you're not elite uh, or top, at least top 50 um, in, in either offense or defensive efficiency. And then that intrigued me because Iowa last year, I think, as, as most people listening to this would know, it was not very good on that end of the floor. They finished last season ranked 97th. Um, and I've, I actually was able to get access to Ken Palm's early numbers and his projections. Um, and they are currently ranked 74th nationally. At least that's what Ken Palm is projecting okay. for them uh, from this season. And, you know, I, honestly, I don't really know how much better that they can get. Because the big thing with them is, like, they just – they've built that roster out with guys who are elite offensively. Like, I, I think that we need to, to talk about that because they are elite offensively. Luka Garza is elite when it comes to scoring the post, scoring off of offensive rebounds, his ability to space floor. Joe Wieskamp can really, really, really shoot it. Uh, I think Joe, um, Joe Toussaint is a guy that is going to end up having – a really big sophomore campaign. Obviously, C.J. Frederick can knock them down. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've built a roster where they have a bunch of playmaking guards and guys that can absolutely shoot it and put that around the best low post score in the country. Like It's going to be very difficult for them to stop them. Combine that with the way that they play in transition, the way they attack the offensive glass. And like they are going to put up a lot of points. Make sure you bet a lot of Iowa overs this year. <laughs> the problem is that none of those guys, like they just they don't profile as good defenders. And... You know, you can be really well coached and you can develop your foot speed a little bit. And, you know, you can be, um, get a year older, which, you know, with, with Joe Toussaint, I'm expecting him and, and CJ Frederick to start in the backcourt. And those two guys are going to be a year older. They're going to have a year of experience. You know, the, the saying goes, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. Right. So I do expect a little bit, um, of, of improvement, uh, on that end, at least from the perimeter defensively. And, the simple fact that you're not going to have Ryan Greener and uh, Luka Garza playing at the same time defensively, like you're going to get better 
defensively by that simple fact. Like those two, it was. I, I mean, I, I, I loved watching the, uh, the the CPA Ryan Creener out there playing Big Ten basketball and making threes and hitting shots, but like he was just he was bad. He, he was really bad defensively. And, and you combine those two, um, him and Garzan, it was it was problems, man. Whenever you had to face a team that could space the floor a little bit and put you in pick and roll, so. Uh, I just I don't see them being able to really have a ceiling uh, on the defensive end, which is a little bit worrying to me when it comes down to um, consistency, right? Like you can't just rely on being able to score 95 points a night to be able to win games because there's going to be nights where you're not making the shots, and if you're giving up 90 every single night, it's hard. It's hard to make a run of the tournament. It's hard to beat uh, six teams and, and get to the final four and win a national title. And when you are as good as Iowa is supposed to be, preseason top 10 team. Uh, Rainey, uh, like preseason national player of the year, and Luca Garza, like your expectation should be okay, we're going to compete for a national title, and, and they got to be better defensively, in my mind, to be able to do that. What about the conference overall, Rob? I mean, Illinois got their guys back. Mm-hmm. It's that's uh, Illinois, I we're going to be so fun to watch. Obviously, Michigan State, there's some love out there for Wisconsin. Um, I like Ohio State. Do you like, Ohio, like Ohio, State? Ohio State? I even saw some Rutgers as a dark yeah. horse <laughs> love. Conference overall, Rob Doster, the Big Ten. It's absolutely loaded again. Um, for my money, I think that Illinois is probably the best team in the league and, and, and my pick to win it. I actually got them uh, as soon as Io and, and Kofi Coburn announced that they were coming back to school. I fired a little 50 to one, um, for them to win the national That's title. Nice. So I'm now invested, which means I guess I'm now a, an, an Illinois fan. Um, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, I, but I do think that they're probably the best team because you, you combine, um, Kofi and, and Io, who I think may just be the best two-way player in all of college basketball next season um, with you know a, a roster that has a couple of really talented freshmen coming in that returns a bunch of pieces from last year like they're just they're going to be really really good and I, I think that Brad Underwood um, has a chance to kind of like put his imprint on on this program this year you know it's it, it's funny when you think about things I, I know this is a tangent but uh, Brad Underwood let's say that Iowa decides to go there's no pandemic and Iowa decides that he's going to go pro because um, it just it makes the most sense for him um, to be able to go to the next level, even if he's not going to be an NBA draft pick. He's probably a guy that would have played pro ball, gotten a two-way deal, maybe had a chance to earn his way into the NBA that way, right? Well, we would be looking at this Illinois program very, very, very differently without a first-team All-American on the roster. But uh, and, and we probably would be having very different conversations about what Brad Underwood's tenure at Illinois looks like if he doesn't get I.O. back. But now I.O.'s back. And it means they're going to be a preseason top 10 team. It means that they probably have a very good chance at winning the uh, Big Ten regular season title this year. It means that um, the context and the narrative of his coaching career is going to be very, very different. Like, he's probably, if they end up winning the Big Ten, like, he's going to get a big contract extension. And he wouldn't get that big contract extension if I would assume he does, doesn't mm-hmm. come back to school. So it's always interesting to me how some of these head coaches kind of have their uh, their careers altered or adjusted or changed based on the the players that they have coming back or the players that they end up losing um, to the NBA a, a year early. But but you know back to your point about how good the the conference is going to be. Illinois, Iowa, they're going to be awesome. I, Wisconsin, I get why people are all the way in on them. You know they want to share the league title last season. They bring everybody back. They were sixteen and five uh, with Michael Potter playing. Um, I get it. I think that they are a little bit capped just because, you know, at some point you have to have like NBA players on your roster to win at the highest level in college basketball. Like, I don't think that there's a pro on that roster. Um, I am looking forward to Brad Davidson 
uh, turning like full <laughs> enemy of the people. You know, it's, it's going to be it, like if if Duke doesn't have a guy that everybody hates, like Wisconsin has to have the guy that everybody hates. They've right? got it's just, one. It, it's, it's very on brand for college basketball to have Buzz Cut Brad be the enemy of the people. So I, I am looking forward to that a little bit. Um, and Michigan State, you know, I, I think that they're losing Tillman was a massive, massive blow, mm-hmm. right? I, to me, Tillman it was probably the most underrated player in the country last season. I had him as a, a third-team All-American. His ability to defend, uh, his basketball IQ, the way that he could pass. Um, I, I do think that he's going to be uh, maybe the the one guy in this draft class that will like get picked in the second round and we look up next year in the playoffs and he is playing like a critical role, like kind of doing what like Duncan Robinson did for the Miami Heat this year. Not, not, obviously, they're different players, but um, we look up in, in, in six months and it's like, oh, wow, how did Xavier Tillman drop all the way into the second round? And now he's starting for uh, like the Memphis Grizzlies and averaging 10 points and seven boards or something like that. So um, losing him is a massive, massive blow. But Rock Watts is going to take a step forward. Gabe Brown's going to take a step forward. Malik Hall is going to take a step forward. Hauser's going to be eligible. Like, you lose two All-Americans off of a Michigan State team that was a little bit disappointing, and you look up and it's like, oh, wow, you know what? They still got a ton of talent on that roster. So it's it's almost like Tom Izzo knows what he's doing. Yeah, just a little bit. Rob Doster joining us here from The Rebound. That's his newsletter. You can find the link on his Twitter account, at Rob Doster. Let's jump to the Big 12. And Iowa State trying to make their way up after a 20-loss season it's going to be difficult. Baylor, preseason top five for basically everybody. Kansas is Kansas. They'll be preseason top ten. I like Texas. Cowboys. I'm one of them. West Virginia is going to be there. Cowboys with Kate Cunningham. Though not eligible to win the the regular season in tournament crowd. I hope they change that, man. I got a feeling that 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 is going to be something that that ends up getting changed. Like We really don't have to go down that rabbit hole because it is a rabbit hole, but the idea that they were doing anything that had like constituted cheating in the city. Like, the, the whole point, I think we talked about this on the radio when it happened, but the whole idea of cheating is like you're doing something against the rule, rules to help you win, right? Nothing that they were doing was helping them win. Lamont Evans giving $300 to a guy that was already on the roster to solicit his services after he left Oklahoma State is not helping them win, right? And it's not like anybody, it's not like it was a, an organizational thing. It's not like it was a program thing. It's not like it was... Um, Rick Pitino uh, kind of like implicitly saying that, yeah, it's okay for um, for you guys to be able to pay players like Brock, Brian Bowen. Like, we got to give a talent. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not going to punish you for, for cheating, for, for breaking the CAA rules, whatever it is. This was one guy taking bribes to try to make sure that this uh, that these financial advisors had access to the earnings that these players were going to make after they left school. And this guy did three months in federal prison, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it, he's been punished more than anything that the NCAA can do. So the idea that all of these guys that are currently on this Oklahoma State roster that had nothing to do with one selfish member of the staff taking bribes to try to, to try to peddle his influence over players who were – and that's the other part of it. Jeffrey Carroll was the victim in this, right? The player was the victim. It, it's just the idea that you would punish the school when the player was the victim for being – uh, for, for having a guy that he was supposed to trust lie to him and, and, and send him to somebody that had the, the, the other part of this that the people forget, Marty Blazer, who was the, the financial advisor that was supposed to be orchestrating all of this, that, that uh, Lamont Evans was supposed to be funneling people to, stole like $2.5 million from his investors. So Lamont Evans was trying to, was accepting bribes to funnel his players to somebody that he should have known stole money 
from his from 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 his client. So it's it's the idea that long story short, the idea that that Oklahoma State is going to have to pay with a postseason ban is absolutely ludicrous. And the NCAA saying that, hey, look, you know, what? we are taking this so seriously. We're going to ignore all of the context around what this violation was, but we're just going to hammer people because we got our uh, our uh, uh, avoid swearing, but we got. We got our rear end shown to us um, because we are so bad at being able to legislate this stuff. So we're just going to hammer everybody that got caught up in this. Do you buy Baylor real quick? Yes. All the way in on Baylor. I think they're going to be awesome. I can't wait to see them play Mark Vidal at the small ball five. Everyone knows Jared Butler. Everyone knows Macy Oteague. Wait until you see Adam Flagler play this year. They are going to be – let's put it like this. There's going to be lineups where six foot five Mark Vital is the tallest player on the floor with four guards that are six foot three or short. They are going to be a fun, fun basketball team. They're all the way legit, and I think that they probably have a very, very good chance to win the national title. Uh, is Greg Marshall there when this when the season starts for Wichita State? <laughs> it's a million dollar question, man. Um, I don't understand how he can he can stay there. Right? If you are a coach and you punch a player and you choke an assistant. You should not be employed anymore. You have to be fired. Like there's, there's no acceptable reason to keep him employed. But if Greg Marshall is coming out on the record and he is saying, "Didn't happen. I didn't do this. Yep. I'm denying it. Um, I never punched a player. I never choked an assistant." Then to me, that tells me that there's no video, and that means mm. that it's basically like a he said, she said kind of thing. Even though there's nine people saying one thing happened and just Greg Marshall saying the other thing happened, but. If there's no proof, there's no video of it, if they got rid of the tapes of filming that practice, then if Wichita State and the Koch brothers decide they want to keep Greg Marshall around because he just wins, then there's a possibility that he's end up, he's going to be coaching still. Uh, personally, I think he should have – one, he should have been suspended already. Like, the idea that you're going to – while a, somebody is being investigated for an abuse of power, you're going to allow that person to stay and remain in power instead of suspending him immediately during the investigation – that's laughable. That's laughable. That calls into question the integrity of the investigation as it is. Um, but the the idea that like he could end up remaining as the head coach, like it's it's possible, man. Like it's it's all going to depend on what Wichita State wants to do. And and I think there's a, a non-zero percent chance that they just want to keep Greg Marshall, regardless of what people like me say on the radio. Fifteen minutes is never enough time, Rob. And I know. You're working on a few things in the podcast space. I, I always loved your podcast, even when you'd have Heinz on. Yeah, I'd, st- I'd still like it. But I know you're working on that. We'll keep an eye out. What announcement coming on Twitter here in, in the near future is that we should keep our eye out. Best place to get a hold of you, and of course, get the newsletter. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. The best way to get access to the newsletter is find uh, find my Twitter. But um, there are some things coming in the podcast space. Uh, I can't talk about them just yet. I know that sounds mysterious, but it's going to be something that I think. If you're a college basketball fan, you are very much going to enjoy it. You and Goodman going to do something this season as well, or no? <laughs> Hopefully, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see if people are allowed to actually go into studios. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot about that angle. Uh, <laughs> Rob Doster, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you a whole bunch during the season. Appreciate it, Rob. Always a pleasure, guys. Good to catch up. Good to, call, good to talk to you. We won't. Uh, Rob Doster on college basketball. He's at Rob Doster's Twitter, right? D-A-U-S-T-E-R, D-A-U-S-T-E-R. Uh, he's a really good college basketball mind. Yeah, real good guy too. On top of it, and he's just great. He he knows the game so well. I had so many other things we wanted to get to, but we got into that kind of wormhole with the Big Ten. But the Big Twelve, it is top. I like six teams at the top. Kansas going to win? No, I don't think so either. 
I don't think so either. I really like Texas. Yes, I'm I'm a dope. I shouldn't believe in Shotgun Squad. Texas Tech. You know, last week when we had level I on, know. looking at we that roster, the transfers that. that are eligible. Yep. They might be sixth or even seventh in the pecking order. I think that's a top, certainly top 25 team. He said, what did he tell us? Top 15, he thought? Top yeah. 15, 20, somewhere in there? I'm with him. Beard can coach you, you know what, off Absolutely. Too. For my money, as good as you're going to find uh-huh. in the game, it's just, and now if you look at Iowa State, they bring in a nice recruiting class, Xavier Foster, the headliner, but how do you make hay in this conference? I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a long year in names, but yeah. good basketball because... Mm-hmm. Uh, so also we'll see, but good. The Big Ten is going to be good. The Big Twelve is going to be good, and they move the needle. Let's hope it happens. In, now. In, in, well, there is that angle to it. Uh, we'll come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred eight Bourbon Whiskey. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on fourteen sixty KXNO, and now on one hundred six point three FM. This is KXNO. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. A couple more baseball games today, a decent college football game. Yes. Some stakes on the line, Coastal Carolina and the Raging Cajuns. Uh, the Rays could take care of business and knock out the Astros, sweep them, and the Dodgers look to find the win column to avoid being the same place the Astros find themselves in. Do you like any game today? I like the Dodgers again. I'm going to jump back on that grenade. I'm going to take them. Urias, right? It's yes. not Kershaw, I don't think. Right, yeah. After he was scratched yesterday for game two, it will be against Kyle Wright, who has been better, but he was a disaster a year ago in 2019. Young guy, another young arm. Imagine that. The Braves, another young pitcher. They're going to be throwing out there in the playoffs. But going to jump on it. Got uh, beat. Beat pretty badly yesterday. Normally, my one or two unit play, I jumped it up uh, to it was six yesterday on the Dodgers. And well, we know. Here's the good news, Trent. You can get even or even worse today. They'll be singing the national anthem somewhere. Isn't that the old the old term? Kenny White, yeah, Kenny White. Well, there's the good news. They're singing the anthem somewhere tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, The Rays to send Glasgow to the mound against Zach Granke, who's not right. No, not at all. This is what you're doing in an elimination game. You're throwing him out there. We await the decision of Altuve as he a designated hitter for today as he plays I with the yips. I think you have to. I think yeah. you, and you said that at the beginning of the show. I think you, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there's, they have no choice. No. He can't throw the ball. And it's become a huge talking it's point. between down. his ears, as yeah. yips are. And we've seen this happen uh-huh. from, what, was it Dave? Steve Blast, Steve Chuck Blatt. Knobloch. Yeah, Knobloch, I remember that yep. one well. Had to move him out to left field. And Chuck Knobloch was a good infielder mm-hmm. when he was with the Twins. You ever, did I ever tell you the story when I got into it with Knobloch uh, on Twitter? You did? I don't know how long, five, six years ago, something like that. No, what could have I just that? made a joke. I didn't tag him. I just, oh, yeah, it looks like he's got a problem with Knobloch. And he came right back after me. He must have been searching his name on sure. Twitter. And he came firing out there. So, so did you respond oh, I, to I, him? Yeah. or? I, I said, I wish I was one of those people throwing beer at you in left field when you're at the Metrodome. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and back and forth we went. I didn't know that. Yeah. Trent I'll have to Condon dig that up. Knobloch. Go and add it. history. Um, well, look, at I'd, I'd love to see. I, honestly, I would like to see the Rays take care of business today. Would you just get rid of the Astros? Yeah, just to get rid of I want to see them. something, though, tomorrow because the Thursday, no NFL Thursday. No, there's not. The college, the college game, game stinks. stinks. Yeah, it's Georgia State against another Sun Belt yeah. team that doesn't matter. So because of that, 
for the first time, I'm actually going to be rooting maybe a little bit for the Astros just to push this series yeah, out. Instead of one game, we get two because we will get the uh, National League for sure because they're a day behind. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's going to be weird, no football on Thursday. But it was weird last night having football on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. I loved it. That 6 o'clock game actually worked well. It I did. really, really like the way the schedule played out. Uh, and today it's, uh, what, 5 o'clock and 7.40 again, so there'll be a little bit of overlap. Mm-hmm. And the uh, NLCS is up first. All right, up next, local-wise, Murph and Andy, they'll slide in here at 2. The Fanatics at 4 Hawk Central tonight uh, at 6 o'clock. Morning rush tomorrow at... 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. We take over the 10 to noon slot Monday through Friday on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.